how did they communicate that to other um, to people in the diaspora at the time? The main diaspora was in Babylonia after Jews had been exiled to Babylonia. So they um, lit um, from hilltop to hilltop big uh, big fires, big big uh, um, what what do they call them? Uh, um, whatever a fire on the top, not yeah a controlled fire. Uh, from one hilltop to another until it got to Babylonia. By the time it got to Babylonia, it was already half the day was over. So, um, so that um, they said, okay, for the diaspora, we'll add an extra day. And then, um, because of um, anality or whatever, uh, uh, once Jews got into a custom, they couldn't let go of it. So, <laughs> so even though we know when the holiday starts now. Because um, we uh, nevertheless in in the diaspora add an extra day. Now, um, however, Reformed Jews no longer do that, and uh, I myself am a little uh, ambivalent about adding the extra day. So, um, um, but any, anyway, that's that's how it happened. But um, um, the adding of the extra day. Um, they, uh, it, for Sukkot, they, uh, they added, um, after Shemitah they added Simchas Torah as a separate day. Right, that had its ritual, it made its sense. But unfortunately for, um, for uh, the um, uh, people who were living, uh, who were doing um, Pesach, the eighth day didn't really have any separate ritual connected to it. Um, and similarly, the second day of Shavuot, which we're in right now, doesn't really have an extra uh, uh, any special uh, rituals to it, except for the reading of uh, the Book of Ruth. Um, anyway, and now it's nine thirty. And now it's nine thirty, and 9:30 time 9:30 to start. <laughs> oh, and welcome everybody, and um, uh, Ami. At any point that you would like to bring your your voice and your guitar into it, just raise your hand, and we'll know to stop singing and let you you lead us. Okay. Um, if you want, and of course you don't have to if you don't want to. Um, so, um, oh, so let me paste for everyone. Let me see if that's the right link. Yeah, so I've pasted for everyone in the chat the link to the prayer book. So we're on two cameras because on one camera, on the one that says Kat Zavis, I'm, I'm going to be sharing screen, and on this one, I'm leaving focused on us. So if that's a little annoying, I apologize. I, I, it's the easiest way for me to manage these things. Um, so there's the link. If you can't get into the link, you can go to Beit Tikkun, B-E-Y-T-T-I-K-K-U-N.org. And then you'll see on the homepage, um, Beit Tikkun Prayer Book, you'll click on that. And then at the top of that pa next page, you'll um, be able to click on the prayer book yourself. I also will be screen sharing it. So if that's feels like, wait a minute, that's a lot to navigate. Um, that's why I have two, that's why I have two computers. <laughs> so, yeah. so, I, so I can screen share on one and see you all on another. Um, okay, and I just got really hot. There, is there okay. anybody here who is proficient in English and could raise your hand and say, I'd like to read the first paragraph, or the paragraphs in English on page six. Okay, first I have to share the prayer book before oh, you oops. can say yeah. that. So let okay. me share the prayer book. So we're on page six. We're starting on page six. Okay. Now drives everyone crazy. Sorry, I have to scroll down to page six. It's a little dizzy making. 
here we go. So, um, yeah, but now I can't see if anybody's raising here. their hand. Uh, yeah, we can. Okay. I'll read. Go Wh for it. What? Thank you. Who will? Jeff. Jeff. Great. Oh. Okay. Uh, do you want me to read the Hebrew or just the English? Um, we're going to sing the Hebrew first, and then you read the English up to but not including the last paragraph, which starts Master of All Worlds. Okay. So we're going to sing first. Okay. So it goes like this. You all know the tune. Yeah, because it's not a particularly Jewish tune, although now we are appropriating it. <laughs> <laughs> Cultural appropriation being, in my view, one of the smart things that the human race has done all through, <laughs> all through its history is learning from other cultures and appropriating it to their own cultures. Halavai, that there should be more of that in the world, not less of it, despite the fact that some people think that it's inappropriate to do that. <laughs> Mode Ani Lepanecha Ruachai Bekayam Shehezartabi Nishmati Bechemla Rabba Emuna Tehra Mode Ani Ready? Yes. Okay. I am grateful to you, God of life, for remembering me again. Your grace has awakened my body and soul. For this gift of life, I thank you. Amen. With deep humility, I awaken as a newborn babe from a dreaming world and open my eyes. I leap to my bygone dreams to retain and regain connection with all that is now receding into unconsciousness as my eyes open wider into physically visual appearances. With all that I, this consciousness container, am, part awareness and obviously part unawareness as my dreams recede, my first commitment is to broaden my awareness to connect with the most high infinitude beyond present imagination. I surrender my sense of the current boundaries of awareness to an ocean of dynamically changing complex supersystems in awe and grateful abandon, in growing awareness and appreciation of the intricacy and richness of the source of the weather changes of my own rapidly shifting awareness. I enter this day with commitment to recovering and maintaining connection with and certitude of the unlimited orders of complexity, increasing with each morning's awakening. I offer my thanks before you, God of life, enlivening me once again. Your grace has renewed for me today my soul and body. For this continuing blessing of life, I offer my thanks. Amen. 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 Page seven. Um... Um, there's a Hebrew prayer there that is thank, thanking God for our body. Um, and uh, 
Um, we'll do part of it in, uh, I'm just going to read part of it. Yeah, I'm, <clears throat> yes, I'm going to read part of it in, in Hebrew and then um, then we're going to thank God by actually thinking about those parts of the body. So um, it's this paragraph right here. I, it's yeah. in Hebrew for those of you who know. Oh, it. And the English is right under under that paragraph. Baruch olam asher et adam. So the way we do it here at Beit Tikkun is we ask you to, um, for each part that we're going to mention, put your hands on that part, like, like there, 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 whatever. And, um, um, and think about, to the extent of your scientific knowledge, how that particular part works. And, but we're thinking about it not to, as a science lesson, but as a moment to give thanks to your body for still operating for us in all the various ways that it does. So um, let's start with our eyes. Thank you, God, for these eyes. And thank you, eyes, for operating, continuing to operate for us and making it possible for us to read or um, see, the, see this uh, service on, on computer or to see all the beauty of the universe around us uh, to, um, and to enjoy all the delights that come to us that way. And now to your ears. Thank you, God, for our ears. And thank you for, thank you, ears for working for us to bring in all the delightful sounds that we hear to maybe able make it possible for us to hear each other. And also for making it possible for us to, um, to uh, hear the, what other people are saying to us um, and um, to hear the delights of uh, music. And, um, and for some of us even to be able to sing on tune because of that. Now to your um, nose and tongue, thank you, God, for smell and taste. And thank you, um, nose and tongue, for making it possible for us to taste all the delicious foods that are available for us in the air. Okay, and now to your, um, your teeth, uh, oh, no, to your tongue and larynx. Now you, it's a little hard to put it directly on your larynx, but... Thank you, God, for this tongue and larynx to make it possible for us to talk and sing. And, um, and now to your teeth and jaws and gums. And thank you, God, for these, these teeth and jaws and gum. Make it possible for us to masticate the food and uh, bring, uh, bring it into our digestive system. And thank you, now going down to your stomach for a second, thank you for this whole digestive system, for every part of it that works together to take in the food and transform it into usable um, uh, nurturance for every part of our bodies. Now back up again to, to your heart and lungs. Let's start with our lungs. So thank you, God, for these lungs. And thank you, lungs, for working for us day and night, um, every moment, taking in air, pushing out to carbon dioxide to nurture the 
the plants and the trees. Um, and uh, we so appreciate you. And particularly now with this uh, pandemic, we're aware of how um, vulnerable you are. And so um, thank you for continuing to work for us and uh, to make it possible for us to continue to live. And now on to our heart. And thank you, heart, for pumping the blood day and night. We don't have to do anything. Like, just like with the, the lungs, you don't have to pay attention to you, and you keep on doing it for us. Now, we know we haven't always been the best, um, best for you. We haven't always done what we've been told over, again, over and over again we should do, which is to eat cautiously and not over, uh, overburden our body with excess unnecessary weight. And, um, and also to exercise. So we know we always haven't done that and we apologize to you. And at this very moment, we'll recommit to trying to do better job to make your work less difficult. We also thank the whole blood system that takes the blood uh, and um, moves the blood and with it moves the oxygen and the food stuff and other, other chemicals, nurturants for our body, and then pushes it out, removes it from the body um, by dropping it in the appropriate place for excretion. And uh, talking about excretion, we go down now to our genitals. And thank you, God, for these genitals that are, make it possible for us to excrete that which we don't need um, and, um, um, and uh, for, uh, making it possible for us simultaneously um, to have, well, not simultaneously, but also <laughs> <laughs> Definitely not to, have, to, to have sexual pleasure. Okay, so not simultaneously. That would be a big mistake. Now, uh, thank you. Then if we go down to your legs and feet. Thank you, God, for these legs and feet. And um, thank you, legs, for carrying us into the world and feet that make it possible for us to steady us. We so appreciate that, you're, that we're able to do that. And even as, as in my case, where I need some, some uh, canes to walk with, still you make it possible for us to, to move forward. And now um, uh, to our arms and hands. Thank you, arms and hands that make it possible for us to lift and push and pull. Thank you, hands, for making it possible for us to um, feed ourselves and dress ourselves and, um, um, and our hands that make it possible for us to write and type and use computers and, um, and uh, lovingly touch other people. And uh, thank you, God, for the biggest, our biggest organ, the, the um, our skin, all the skin that makes it possible to, um, that regulates bodily temperature and that holds everything together for us. And finally, now back to our, um, our, our, uh, all the, uh, the systems that we can't quite locate in one place, but that keep our body functioning. And I just mentioned our endocrine system and our nervous system. And thank you both of them for working for us day and night. Um, and, uh, and the nervous system being able to alert us, to our, alert our brain um, to 
aspects of what is noticing that it can't deal with by itself. And thank you, brain, for them being able to come up with rational responses to, um, to issues that the nervous system has brought to us. And thank you, brain and mind, for working for us to not only deal with the immediate bodily needs, but also to look at the world and bring in, bring in information uh, and joyful, uh, joyful uh, looking at all that is and uh, being able to rejoice in this world, but also able to assess when things need to be de dealt with and to come up with rational solutions, at least some of the time. And, and with our brain and mind, we also thank the brain and mind for being able to look at the big picture, to see what needs to be healed and transformed in this world, and then to develop plans or actions on what our particular um, path will be to be involved in that healing, in that tikkuning of the world. Baruch atadonai, rofeh kol basar umaflilasot, Blessed are you, transformative power of the universe, who heals all flesh and makes us, each of us, an ongoing miracle. Amen. Amen. Okay, you can open your eyes, come back, and um, yes, yes, that's going to turn to page eight. I'm going to share a different... So these I forgot to upload, so but you can see them on the screen. So these are um, my, uh, let's say, interpretation <laughs> of, of the morning blessings. And they're there in English, and I'm going to do them in English so you can uh, join with me from your home. And thank you all for welcoming us into your home and for joining us in ours this morning. Shabbat Shalom. Um, who has given our people responsibility to love the stranger and pursue justice for all. Amen. Who awakens our consciousness to see beyond our inner selves. Who has made me in your image, given me the capacity to partner with you to transform the world. Who has made me free, so I can help others become more truly free as well. Amen. Who opens we must do. Amen. Who calls us to provide resources to those in need. Amen. Who releases the imprisoned and releases us from our prisons of fear so we can see our complicity in the suffering of Palestinians and partner with them to support their liberation. Amen. Who moves us beyond our constricted limitations, giving us the capacity to stretch beyond our comfort zones. Amen. 
who stretches earth over the waters and gives us a solid foundation in times of uncertainty. Baruch Adonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, who creates abundantly and rouses us to meet others' needs. Baruch HaTiashechinah Ruach HaOlamim, who guides our karmic path and calls us to pray with our feet. Baruch HaTadonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, who girds all God wrestlers with the strength to speak truth to power and challenge injustice. Baruch HaTiashechinah Ruach HaOlamim, who crowns me with the capacity to see beauty in the world and in all beings. Baruch HaTadonai Eloheinu Melech HaOlam, who gives strength to the weary so we can reconnect and return and again and again to work for peace and justice. Amen. Amen. Okay, thank you. Back to the prayer book. Back to our prayer book. Back to the prayer book. Yeah. Page you want to go to? Um, you want to do hello too, right? Yeah. Um, let's go to um, page 15. Um, there's a little it's a part of this prayer, a few lines that are precious. I mean, many lines that are precious, but the ones that I love are start on the fifth line of. Um, what? <laughs> yeah, on the fifth, fifth um, on page 15. The fifth line down. Actually, I'll read the fourth, first four, and then I'll I'll lead the singing of the next. Oops, sorry. Um, source of cosmic multiplicity. Happiness abounds in the confident human. Fount of transform transformative um, uh, transformation. Responsive force to those who yearn for change. Um, transform your people. Bless your inheritance. Lift us beyond the smallness, our smallness of vision to that of the vast. And those four lines we're going to sing. Transform your people. Bless your inheritance. Lift us beyond the smallness of vision to that of the vast. Transform your peoples, bless your inheritance, lift us beyond our smallness of vision to that Transform your peoples, bless your inheritance. Lift us beyond our smallness of vision to that of the best. Hebrew from the other side. Oshia et amecha, uvarech et nachatecha, ay, 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 uraim, 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 venase, rem venase, madhaolam. Oshia et amecha, uvarech et nachatecha, ay, 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 Praise 
In other words, you know, that's why you you all know. Yai lai 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 lai. Yai lai 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 so what I love is so much. Transform your peoples, okay? That means not just Jewish people, all peoples, all gods, all peoples are God's people. Transform your peoples and bless your inheritance. Um, lift us beyond our smallness of vision to that of the vast. Lift us up so that we can see the big picture, so that we're no longer focused just on us or even on just our people or just in our community. Um, to see the whole reality and be, recognize our connection to all being, uh, to all life and to all being. So, Halavai, if that could happen, um, we'd be living in a very less crazy world than the one we're experiencing these days. So now let's go to page 21 to the um, interpretive Mishma. Would you like to read it? Yeah, sure. Okay, so for this prayer on page 21, the interpretive nishma, which you can find at the bottom of page 21, and then it goes on to the, to the bottom of page 22, a beautiful prayer written by Marge Piercy, who was Tikkun's um, uh, first um, uh, literary editor, a poetry editor for, for Tikkun, Marge Piercy, but she's also known to others as a, um, a wonderful poet and, and a novelist. Um, and um, what I want to ask you to do is to allow yourself to close your eyes in, and listen to this and imagine you're seeing it all. And she describes a, uh, the reality of us waking up into this world and uh, uh, really seeing it. So um, close your eyes and listen to Kat's uh, reading of it. When the night slides under with the last dimming star and the red sky lightens between the trees and the heron glides tipping heavy wings in the river, when crows stir and cry out their harsh joy and swift creatures of the night run toward their burrows and the deer raises her head and sniffs the freshening air and the shadows grow more distinct and then shorten then we rise into the day still clean as snow. The cat washes its paw and greets the day with gratitude. Leviathan salutes breaching with a column of steam. The hawk turning in the sky cries out a prayer like a knife. We must wonder at the sky now thin as a speckled eggshell that now piles up its boulders of storm to crash down 
that now hangs a furry gray belly into the street. Every day we find a new sky and a new earth with which we are trusted like a perfect toy. We are given the salty river of our blood winding through us to remember the sea and our kindred under the waves, the hot pulsing that knocks in our throats to consider our cousins in the grass and the trees, all bright scattered rivulets of life. We are given the wind within us, the breath, to shape into words that steal time, that touch like hands and pierce like bullets, that wake truth and deceit, sorrow and pity and joy, that waste precious air in complaints, in lies, in floating traps for power on the dirty air. Yet holy breath still stretches our lungs to sing, we are given the body that momentary kibbutz of elements that have belonged to frog and polar bear, corn and oak tree, volcano and glacier. We are lent for a time these minerals in water and a morning every day, a morning to wake up, rejoice and praise life in our spines, our throats, our knees, our genitals, our brains, our tongues. We are given fire to see against the dark, to think, to read, to study how we are to live, to bank in ourselves against defeat and despair that cool and muddy our resolves, that make us forget what we saw we must do. We are given passion that rise like the sun in our minds with the new day and burn the debris of habit and greed and fear. We stand in the midst of the burning world, primed to burn with compassionate love and justice, to turn inward and see the world that is all of one flesh with us, see under the trash, through the smog, the furry bee in the apple blossom, the trout leaping, the candles our ancestors lit for us. Fill us as the tide rustles the reeds in the marsh, Fill us as the rushing water overflows the pitcher. Fill us as the light fills a room with its dancing. Let the little quarrels of the bones and the snarling of the lesser appetites and the whining of the ego cease. Let silence still us so you may show us your shining and we can out of that stillness rise and pray. <sighs> so let's rise and praise. Hallelujah, 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 
Okay, so we're still celebrating now the universe around us. And um, which one are you going to be able to take? That one? Okay. So we're going to go outside, as those of you that know that before know. And you're welcome to go to a window if you can't get to a, a, a place where you're actually outside. Or just look out to see the universe that, or what part of the universe you have access to from where you live. Okay, I'm going to mute us for one second and then unmute on the other computer. Okay, can you give me a thumbs up if you can hear me? Did I do that right? Beautiful. <laughs> Technology on Shabbat, it's a little overwhelming. So I'm just going to, those of you who can't get outside, you can be outside. Just dizzy making, kind of. Uh, I did. I okay, did. Let's try it again. That's the hills of, <laughs> hills of Marin. Okay. Slowly, slowly there. They so, can't really see them. What? You can't see the hills of Well, Marin. kind of. So there's the hills of Marin and the bay. The bay and the Golden Gate Bridge and over you, there. And the sun has come out for us. Thank you, sun. And it was raining. And over there is San Francisco. <laughs> San Francisco? I don't know. Anyway. In the bay and little sharkies out there waiting to bite us if we happen to swim in. And, uh, and, um, and the beautiful universe. And um, we're going to now thank God for this. So now I'm going to go back to screen share. Um, and we have our outdoor prayer in here. Mm -hmm. No. Okay, here we go. Maruch et Adonai Eloheinu melech haolam Yotzer or ubarei chosheh Ose shalom ubarei et hakol Blessed you, transformative power of the universe. You create light and you create darkness. You make all the wonders of this universe that we're about to celebrate. We are grateful to you, goddess, for creating this incredible universe with a hundred billion galaxies. But the Milky Way would have been plenty for us. And we are grateful for the sun. Giving us light and giving us warmth so that life could develop and evolve in a zillion amazing ways. And we are grateful for the light that makes it possible for us to see all the beauty around us. The sun. They can't see it if I do anyway. Okay, but they can see the. No, they can't because they're just. No, they can't because they're looking at this. This is being chilled. The sun. The, 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 the trees. trees. The plants, the flowers, the flowers, the water, the ocean. Go ahead and call it out where you are. What are you grateful for? The, the, the bay. The bay. 
the river. What'd you say, Brian? Delaware River. Nice, okay. the river. Anyone in the desert? I'm always grateful for the desert. And, uh, mm, and now look at the sun is suddenly really oh, coming up. The warmth of the sun, which you can probably see is shining on us now. Oh, it feels so good. The sun. The, the sun. sun. We're yeah, grateful to you. The sun, the sun, and we are grateful for photosynthesis that gives us delicious fruits and veggies that nourish our bodies. And we are grateful to you, goddess, for renewing every day the events of creation. Just take that in for a moment. Every single day you wake up and the events of creation are recreated every day just for us. The whole world. And let us see and be worthy of it. And Veniska Kulana Mehera Le Quickly, please. So we thank God for all her, his, its generosity in creating this incredible life on this planet and the planet itself and the, the sun located just at the right place to make it possible for life to develop here. And, um, and uh, we move from the physical universe to the gift that we've get, been given of Torah, of teaching, of enlightenment about what we, how we ought to live in this world. And this is, um, and we say it's with great love that you, that you um, created us with and taught us, brought us to a Torah, gave us a vision of the world the way it ought to be. And we're not doing so well at, at uh, embodying it, but we're, we're at least celebrating that we got that message that and from time to time, we can get back to some of what we've been asked to do in our Torah, and that's um, beautiful. So with, with great love, Ahava Rabbah, Ahavtana, with you loved us, and, uh, and you favored us with, uh, with your compassion. Ahava Rabbah, Ahavtana, Adonai Eloheinu, Kamla <laughs> 
Social and economic justice, environmental sanity, evolution of the consciousness of all humanity. Shara no 
Veshinantam levanecha, vedibartabam, veshivtecha bevetecha, uvelechtecha havaderech, uveshachbecha uvekumecha, ukshartam leot al yadecha, vehayiletotafod beheinecha, uchtavtam al mezuzot betecha, so I'm going to stop sharing for a moment because this isn't in there. And um, you might appreciate just being able to listen and not read or think about reading. And it shall come to pass if you love the spiritual transformative power of the universe with all your heart and all your soul and use that energy to build a world based on these mitzvot, a world of love and care, kindness and generosity, social, economic, and environmental justice and sustainability, then the world will work. Yay. The sun will shine. Yay. The rain will fall. Yay. The earth will give forth its produce. Wonderful. Yay. And you and your animals will eat and be satisfied. Mm -hmm. But be careful, watch out. Uh -oh. If you don't build a world based on these mitzvot and instead build one based on selfishness and greed, uh -huh. consuming and producing without care for the well-being of the planet and all its inhabitants, constantly hoarding and chasing after more money, power, fame, and land, building political systems and economic systems and social systems that work for some on the backs of many then just as the political, social, and economic systems become unbalanced, so too will the ecological and environmental systems and structures of society in the world also become unbalanced. And there'll be a series of environmental catastrophes. The rain won't fall and or floods will rise. Sea levels will rise and lands will disappear. Mountains will quake. And eventually, even you and your animals, too, will be wiped off from the face of this earth. Oy, 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 oy. So teach this to your children. Not so easy. Talk about it in public, even if your voice cracks and your knees shake. Talk about it in the privacy of your own home, even sometimes when your friends and family are sick and tired of hearing about it. Mm -hmm. Talk about it when you walk by the way, so strangers hear this very important message. Because this, this is the spiritual need and teaching and message of our times. Talk about it to yourself when you go to sleep and when you rise, because you won't, you won't want to do it. You'll get tired of hearing yourself talk about it. Find it for a sign upon your arm so it seeps into your heart and guides your actions and a sign upon your third eye so it seeps deep into your unconsciousness and consciousness permeating every cell and pore of your being. Write it for a sign upon your doorpost and upon your gates so that all those who come into your home know the values by which you live. And if you do these things and live this way and build this world, then you and your children and all children will have a good long life on this good earth that God promised to us. And God spoke to Moses saying, speak to the children of Israel and tell them to wear tzitzit on the corner of their garments to put a blue thread in the tzitzit. Why? So that, you, so that you remember, because if it's always just the same color, 
you won't notice it. So it shocks you into remembering the importance of these teachings and not to just see the seat seat and not just to remember the mitzvot, but to actually do them, to perform them, to live your life that way. God continued and said, I am the transformative power of the universe who brought you out of the narrow consciousness of slavery and constriction. I showed you that the fundamental systems of oppression can be created by human beings, can be transformed by human beings. I am that force in truth. And before we go into Micham Locha, I just want to quickly say, as I often do, that this is the song the women sang um, after we crossed the Sea of Reeds into our freedom or our beginning of our journey for our true freedom a journey that we actually are still on in many ways, and yet physically we are free. We are free today. What an amazing miracle. And so as we sing and celebrate our freedom, let us remember that there are millions of people, many, many people around the world who don't have the level of freedom and security that we do. And so I want to ask you as you dance and sing this song with us to ask yourself, what are you going to do in the next week what steps and actions are you going to do in the next week to help uplift and ensure the freedom and liberation of all of us? And I just want to share the screen again so that... Mm -hmm. Where is it? Mm -hmm. Oh, hang on. Yeah, it's here. One second, I'm getting there, sorry. Here we go. <laughs> Adonaim <laughs> Yehuda Yisrael, Oleinu Adonai Tzavot Shemov, Kedosh Yisrael, Ruha Yashechina, Ge'Allah Yisrael. So <clears throat> we're now going into the silent meditative prayer, the Amidah, the standing prayer, although you don't have to stand. And, um, and you don't have to say it silently, you can say it out loud. Um, uh, this prayer, which um, has a special version because it's a holiday. So um, if um, after you read the first uh, three blessings, you skip the, um, the, the 
could do uh, on page. Go to page uh, 40 A. Uh, so 40s A, B, and C, and then you jump ahead to 47. The problem is, or the challenge is, I'm not going to be sharing this scrolling through because I'm going to be doing my own prayer. So if you have a prayer book or have our prayer book, you can use that. Or, of course, you can use this time to meditate. Of course, you can have the prayer book on our website. You can have it on the website. I shared the link in the chat. But it's also, if you go to Beit Tikkun. B-E-Y-T-T-I-K-K-U-N.org. And then on that homepage right there, you'll see Beit Tikkun prayer book. And you can access it there on your own computer. Um, or you could meditate on the um, mantra of our community. I am part of the unity of all being, a manifestation of God's love on earth. I am part of the, the unity, unity of, of all being, being a manifestation of God's love on earth. earth. And sometimes I like to bring in other people in the second part. So I am part of the unity of all being, a manifestation on, of God's love on earth. And sometimes I add other people's names as I continue in that, in that meditation. And it's extremely powerful. Or we all are. We all Man are part, manifestations right? Manifestations of God's love on earth. <clears throat> sometimes some of us lose track of that and don't act that way. but. So, or you can use any other mantra, but for the next uh, seven minutes, um, we're going to be silent and um, meditate. So in any way that you want to meditate, using our mantra, reading the prayers, doing the prayers, anything that works for you. Um, and, um, and we should be back around. We'll see you back at uh, 10, our time, 1032. Okay, great.
So the Hallel prayers are actually a set of psalms uh, from 113 to 118. And um, we're going to say a few of those psalms right now. It said uh, at, on every, uh, all of the major holidays except Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur, um, but we say them, um, say them every day of the, of the holidays. And um, so uh, they start on what page? Page 60, and I'm going to share right now. They start on page 60, mm. and there they are. So um, we're going to do at least um, a few of them. Hallelujah, 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 hallelujah,
מלפני אדם, מלפני אדם, כולי ארץ, כולי ארץ, מלפני, מלפני, אלוהי יעקב, אלוהי יעקב, זכרנו יברך. יברך את בית ישראל, יברך את בית אהרון ומרים, יברך גרי אדוני, הקטנים עם הגדולים, יוסף אדוני עליכם, עליכם ועל בניכם. ברוכים אתם לאדוני, עושה שמיים בארץ, שמיים שמיים לאדוני, והארץ נתן לבני אדם, לא המתים יהללויים, ולא כל יורדי דומה, ואנחנו נברך יא. Okay, and we're going to go now to uh, page 64 um, and uh, Psalm 118. into a reflection about uh, where we are and uh, we're not necessarily in the greatest of places so meet um, the next uh, verses from the narrow place I call to you God and answer me from from there because we're in a stuck place a narrow place answer me from the from the open vastness uh, exactly make make the make us um, feel no longer uh, caught in the narrowness of the current reality. Min ha-metsa-karatiya anani va-mechavya Min ha-metsa-karatiya 
If the transformed power is really with us, what can a human being do to us? Um, and uh, we'll go to the next page of, of the psalm. Um, yeah, Fitruli, which is on page 65 for the fifth line. What say the fourth, the fifth line right down? Here. On the, it's on the left side of the page. Yeah. Pitruli. Open for me the gates of righteousness, and I will come in to thank God. The, the stone that was thrown away by the um, by the builders has become the cornerstone, and I think many of us have had that experience in our lives of feeling like we were the rejected ones, that we were the ones that weren't really appreciated in the way that we wanted to be, and then and so we're thrown away like that stone. But as it says, and then Haitan the Rosh you became eventually we've become the cornerstones of the building. What a beautiful vision of transformation from being rejected to being accepted and actually honored. This is the day we wish God has made. We will rejoice and be glad in it. 
next lines are pleading to God to um, to save us and to and to um, take care of us. So I usually use the, the first part to talk about what I really want to be saved from, or what, what I really want the world to, and I use that to, to my intentionality in saying these first parts is to talk about to myself, please God, end the environmental crisis and let the earth survive and human life survive on it. And please God, end all the violence and the, the wars and let that, and let, let love and kindness triumph on the planet. And then the second part, make us successful. Then I go to something more personal, you know, about how I want um, uh, my personal health. I want our love, my love with Kat to continue and deepen and um, whatever else. So these are opportunities both to think on the global part and to think about what would be success for you, what counts as success for you. So <clears throat> allow yourself to get into these two. Anna 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 Adonai Ashiana Anna 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 Adonai Ashiana Oceana, Oceana, Anna, 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 Adana, Ahasalihana. Um, turn to um, page 66, the second paragraph down. Um, Uh, no, the first paragraph down, the third line. Eliata Veldeka, Elohaya Romeneka, Eliata Veldeka, Elohaya Romeneka, Hodladonai Kito, Kileolam Kaso. And um, and then down a few lines. Um, <clears throat> Now we go to the reading of the book of Ruth. Oh no! Uh, but we can do a blessing for study of Torah. Okay. okay.
ברוך אתה ה' אלוהינו מלך העולם. ברוך אתה ה' אלוהינו Thank you, God, for teaching us Torah. And here we mean by Torah not just the five books, but uh, the whole Jewish tradition from beginning to end, from, from 2,500 or 3,000 years ago, right up to this moment. And, um, but um, we're going to study the book of Ruth, which is in the, in the Bible, but not in the Torah, but, um, and is traditionally read on the second day of, um, of Shavuot. And Kat's going to lead this. Okay, so I'm going to share it in one second. Heidi, would you be willing to read again for us? Yes, awesome. So you need to unmute yourself, so I'm going to ask you to do that, and I'm going to pull up. Sweet, one second. I've got to get it up. Okay, hang on. One second. Okay, now I should be able to screen share it. Where are you, Book of Ruth? There you are. Okay. There you are, Heidi. In the days when the chieftains ruled, there was a famine in the land. And a man of Bethlehem and Judah with his wife and two sons went to reside in the country of Moab. The man's name was Elimelech. His wife's name was Naomi. And his two sons were named Malon and Chilion. Ephrathites of Bethlehem in Judah. They came to the country of Moab and remained there. Elimelech, Naomi's husband, died, and she was left with her two sons. They married Moabite women, one named Orpha, the other Ruth, and they lived there about 10 years. Then those two, Malon and Chilion, also died, so the woman was left without her sons and without her husband. She started out with her daughters-in-law to return from the country of Moab, for in the country of Moab she had heard that, that the Lord had taken note of his people and given them food. Accompanied by her two daughters-in-law, she left the place where she had been living, and they set out on the road back to the land of Judah. But Naomi said to her two daughters-in-law, Turn back, each of you, to her mother's house. May the Lord deal kindly with you, as you have dealt with the dead and with me. May the Lord grant each of you find security in the house of a husband. And she kissed them farewell. They broke into weeping, and she said to her, No, we will return with you to your people. But Naomi replied, Turn back, my daughters. Why should you go with me? Have I any more sons in my body who might be husbands for you? Turn back, my daughters, for I am too old to be married. Even if I thought there was hope for me, even if I were married tonight and I also bore sons, should you wait for them to grow up? Should you on their account debar yourselves from marriage? Oh no, my daughters, my lot is far bitter than yours. For the hand of the Lord has struck out against me. 
They broke into weeping again, and Orpah kissed her mother-in-law farewell, but Ruth clung to her. So she said, see, your sister-in-law has returned to her people and her gods. Go follow your sister-in-law. But Ruth replied, do not urge me to leave you, to turn back and not follow you. For wherever you go, I will go. Wherever you lodge, I will lodge. Your people shall be my people and your God, my God. When you die, I will die, and there I will be buried. Thus and more may the Lord do to me if anything but death parts me from you. When Naomi saw how determined she was to go with her, she ceased to argue with her. And the two went on until they reached Bethlehem. When they arrived in Bethlehem, the whole city buzzed with excitement over them. The women said, can this be Naomi? Do not call me Naomi, she replied. Call me Mara, for Shara has made my lot very bitter. I went away full, and the Lord has brought me back empty. How can you call me Naomi when the Lord has dealt harshly with me, when Shaddai has brought misfortune upon me? Thus, Naomi returned from the country of Moab. She returned with her daughter-in-law, Ruth the Moabite. They arrived in Bethlehem at the beginning of the barley harvest. Are you willing to keep going? Sure. <laughs> now, Naomi, now Naomi had a kinsman on her husband's side, a man of substance of the family of Elimelech, whose name was Boaz. Ruth the Moabite said to Naomi, I would like to go to the fields and glean among the ears of grain behind someone who may show me kindness. Yes, daughter, go, she replied. And off she went. She came and gleaned in a field behind the reapers, and as luck would have it, it was a piece of land belonging to Boaz, who was of Elimelech's family. Presently, Boaz arrived from Bethlehem. He greeted the reapers. The Lord be with you. And they responded, the Lord bless you. Boaz said to the servant who was in charge of the reapers, whose girl is that? The servant in charge of the reapers replied, she is a Moabite girl who came back with Naomi from the country of Moab. She said, please let me glean and gather the, the sheaves behind the reapers. She has been on her feet ever since she came this morning. She has rested but little in the hut. Boaz said to Ruth, listen to me, daughter. Don't go to glean in another field. Don't go elsewhere, but stay here close to my girls. Keep your eyes on the field they are reaping and follow them. I have ordered the men not to molest you. And when you are thirsty, go to the jars and drink some of the water that the men have drawn. She prostrated herself with her face to the ground and said to him, why are you so kind as to single me out when I am a foreigner? Boaz replied, I have been told of all you did for your mother-in-law after the death of your husband, how you left your father and mother and the land of your birth and came to a people you had not known before. May the Lord reward your deeds. May you have a full recompense from the Lord, the God of Israel, under whose wings you have sought refuge. She answered, 
You are most kind, my Lord, to comfort me and to speak gently to your maidservant, though I am not so much as one of your maidservants. At mealtime, Boaz said to her, come over here and partake of the meal and dip your morsel in the vinegar. So she sat down beside the reapers. He handed her roasted grain and she ate her fill and had some left over. When she got up to glean, to glean, Boaz gave orders to his workers. You are not only to let her glean among the sheaves without interference, but you must also pull some stalks out of the heaps and leave them for her to glean and not scold her. She gleaned in the field until evening. Then she beat out what she had gleaned. It was about an epa of barley and carried it back with her to the town. When her mother-in-law saw what she had gleaned, and when she also took out and gave her what she had left over after eating her fill, her mother-in-law asked her, where did you glean today? Where did you work? Blessed be he who took such generous notice of you. So she told her mother-in-law whom she had worked with, saying, the, man, the name of the man with whom I worked is Boaz. Naomi said to her daughter-in-law, Blessed be the Lord, who has not failed in his kindness to the living or to the dead. For Naomi explained to her daughter-in-law, the man is related to us. He is one of our redeeming kinsmen. Ruth the Moabite said, he even told me, stay close to my workers until all my harvest is finished. And Naomi answered her daughter-in-law, Ruth, it is best, daughter, that you go out with his girls and not be annoyed in some other field. So she stayed close to the maidservants of Boaz and gleaned until the barley harvest and the wheat harvest were finished. Then she stayed at home with her mother-in-law. Naomi, her mother-in-law, said to her, daughter, I must seek a home for you where you may be happy. Now there is a kinsman, Boaz, whose girls you were close to. He will be winnowing barley on the threshing floor tonight. So bathe, anoint yourself, dress up, and go down to the threshing floor, but do not disclose yourself to the man until he has finished eating and drinking. When he lies down, note the place where he lies down and go over and uncover his feet and lie down. He will tell you what you are to do. She replied, I will do everything you tell me. She went down to the threshing floor and did just as her mother-in-law had instructed her. Boaz ate and drank and in a cheerful mood went to lie down beside the grain pile. Then she went over stealthily and uncovered his feet and lay down. In the middle of the night, the man gave a start and pulled back. There was a woman lying at his feet. Who are you? He asked, and she replied, I am your handmaiden, Ruth. Spread, spread your robe over your handmaid, for you are a redeeming kinsman. He exclaimed, Be blessed, the Lord, daughter. Your latest deed of loyalty is greater than the first, in that you have not turned to younger men, whether rich, poor, or rich. And now, daughter, have no fear. I will do in your behalf whatever you ask, for all the elders of my town know what a fine woman you are. But while it is true I am a redeeming kinsman, there is another redeemer closer than I. 
stay for the night, then in the morning, if he will act as a redeemer, good, let him redeem. But if he does not want to act as a redeemer for you, I will do so myself as the Lord lives. Lie down until morning. So she lay at his feet until dawn. She rose before one person could distinguish another, for he thought, let not it be known that the woman came to the threshing floor. And he said, hold out your shawl you are wearing. She held it while he measured out six measures of barley and he put it on her back. When she got back to the town, she came to her mother-in-law who asked, how is it with you, daughter? She told her all the man had done for her. And she added, he gave me these six measures of barley saying to me, do not go back to your mother-in-law empty handed. And Naomi said, stay here, daughter, till you learn how the matter turns out. For the man will not rest, but will settle the matter today. Meanwhile, Boaz had gone to the gate and sat down there. And now the redeemer whom Boaz had mentioned passed by. He called, come over and sit down here, so-and-so. He came over and sat down. Then Boaz took 10 elders of the town and said, be seated here. And they sat down. He said to the redeemer, Naomi, now returned from the country of Moab, must sell the piece of land which belongs to our kinsman Elimelech. I thought I should disclose, disclose the matter to you and say, acquire it in the presence of those seated here and in the presence of the elders of my people. If you are willing to redeem it, redeem. But if you will not redeem it, tell me that I may know. For there is no one to redeem but you, and I come after you. I am willing to redeem it, he replied. Boaz continued, when you acquire the property from Naomi and from Ruth the Moabite, you must also acquire the wife of the deceased so as to perpetuate the name of the deceased upon his estate. The redeemer replied, then I cannot redeem it for myself lest I impair my own estate. You take over my right of redemption, for I am unable to exercise it. Now this was formerly done in Israel in cases of redemption or exchange. To validate any transaction, one man would take off his sandal and hand it to the other. Such was the practice in Israel. So when the Redeemer said to Boaz, acquire for yourself, he drew off his sandal. And Boaz said to the elders and to the rest of the people, you are witnesses today that I am acquiring from Naomi all that belonged to Elimelech and all that belonged to Chilion and Mahlon. I am also acquiring Ruth the Moabite, the wife of Mahlon, as my wife, so as to perpetuate the name of the deceased upon his estate, that the name of the deceased may not disappear among his kinsmen and from the gate of his hometown. You are witnesses today. All the people at the gate and the elders answered, We are. May the Lord make the woman who is coming into your house like Rachel and Leah, both of whom built up the house of Israel, prosper in Ephrath and perpetuate your name in Bethlehem. And may your house be like the house of Perez, whom Tamar bore to Judah through the offspring which the Lord will give you by this young woman. 
So Boaz married Ruth, she became his wife, and he cohabitated with her. The Lord let her conceive, and she bore a son. And the woman said to Naomi, Blessed be the Lord, who has not withheld a redeemer from you today. May his name be perpetuated in Israel. He will renew your life and sustain your old age, for he is born of your daughter-in-law, who loves you and is better to you than seven sons. Naomi took the child and held it to her bosom. She became its foster mother. And the women neighbors gave him a name, saying, A son is born to Naomi. They named him Obed, for he was the father of Jesse, father of David. This is the line of Perez. Perez begot Hezron. Hezron begot Ram. Ram begot Aminadab. Aminadab begot Nashon. Nashon begot Salmon. Salmon begot Boaz. Boaz begot Obed. Obed begot Jesse. Jesse begot David. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, it's nice to see so many familiar faces on the screen now that I can see faces. Um, so we're going to start. <laughs> yes, Sharon, you were one of the ones I was looking at. <laughs> so we're going to start actually how you go into breakout groups to talk about um, talk about this, this book. And so I have a couple questions for you. Um, I'm going to post them in chat, um, but I also just, they're pretty general questions. They're not that specific. So my questions are, what do you notice about this story? How does it make you feel? How do you experience the different characters in the story? What stands out to you? What questions arise for you? Are there places in the text that grab your attention? If so, which ones and why? So um, I'm gonna grab them here. I'm going to post them in chat and then I'm going to put you in your breakout rooms. Um, for those of you, oh sweet, that worked. For those of you um, who are on the phone to unmute yourself at star six, don't forget to do that when you get to your breakout room. And um, breakout rooms. When you're in your breakout rooms, perfect. Um, just introduce yourselves, say where you're from, and then go ahead and start to explore these questions. What did you notice? How did it make you feel? What, what is your experience of the different characters? What stands out to you? What questions arise for you? Are there places that really grab your attention? And if so, which ones and why? Okay, everyone got it? You can grab those questions if you want from the breakout room. And start introducing yourself. Yeah, I said that. So start, be sure to start by introducing yourselves and you will have um, 20 minutes. I want to give you 15, 15 minutes, 20, 15 to 20 minutes. I want to give you some time to explore. So I'll give you a three minute warning and then a one minute warning. Okay. There's three to four people in a group to get on your breakout group. For those of you who haven't been on zoom, which I find hard to believe in this particular moment in history, it'll pop up on your screen and you say, go to breakout room. Uh, 
Welcome back, Cotter, for those of you who ever of my generation or older who know that TV show. Welcome back. Okay, so um, there was one question about what does redeeming mean? And so um, we can talk about that in a little bit. But essentially, there's a there's, there was a tradition in ancient Israel that if, um, if a brother died, then the widow had the right to be redeemed by somebody, to be remarried into the family, and then what? And then what you got with that was the land that the brother owned. So that is, um, so that is why, um, that is what is, what is meant at that moment by redeeming. It, um, or else she could just go on off on her own, but since there was no other place to go, there were, there were, there were no cities. There were people who were just living on the land. And if you didn't uh, own any of the land, then you became um, somebody who was, uh, really without any sure source of food. So redemption was a way of dealing with that, of saying give, um, the, per, the family really has to take, uh, take care of the, um, the wife of somebody who is married a brother or a close relative and is now, um, that close relative has died and there's no place, place for her to go. So, so I will, I will in the discussion of it, I will talk a bit more about that. And we read this now um, because it was the harvest festival, the gathering of our, our wheat and corn and all of that. And that's what this story is about. And it's celebrating uh, that time of the year. So, so I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to do a little bit of teaching, talking, and, um, and then there'll be opportunities for engagement and questions in a little bit. And... Um, so let me just jump in. So the book of Ruth 
is traditionally taught and understood by the rabbis and in most synagogues that are reading it and conversations that happen around it as an example of chesed or chesed or loving kindness. It's this book that's depicted as this incredible story of loving kindness by all of the main characters in various ways. And Ruth herself is depicted as this exemplary, this exemplary refugee slash convert who becomes, who will become the, an, the ancestress of the Davidic line. That's why at the end of the book, there's this whole thing of so-and-so begot so-and-so who begot so-and-so who begot David. Because David is, the story goes, that is the messianic era, the, messiah, the Mashiach will come from the Davidic line. And so Ruth is, although she's not, uh, ironically not mentioned because Obed becomes Naomi's son, Ruth is the one who gives birth, if you will, to that trajectory. Um, so, um, in one of the uh, things that I was reading in preparation, the discussion was that the rabbis then need to um, both accept her into the fold of Israelites and make her a suitable figure to stand at the beginning of this Davidic line of the Messianic era. So the rabbis really uplift her loving kindness. So they ask, why was it written? <laughs> And it was written to teach how great is the reward for those who do deeds of kindness. And um, the, chesed, the word chesed appears in the text, if you're looking at the Hebrew, three different times. In the beginning in 1.8, chapter 1.8, Naomi tells Oprah, Orpah and Ruth to return. And she says, may yud hey vav hey deal, um, deal in loving kindness to you as you have to me. That word was not how it was translated in our rendition, but that is what it says. And then in the middle, in chapter 220, Naomi says to Ruth, blessed is God who has not failed in his loving kindness to you. And then at the end, Boaz says to Ruth in 310, and this is a really interesting piece, Boaz says to Ruth, your latest deed, meaning you're coming to me in the threshing floor and offering yourself to me, removing of the feet essentially is a very sexual implication of having sex and intimacy. Um, he says, that act of loving kindness vis-a-vis -vis me, Boaz, is greater than that which you did for Naomi. Greater than leaving Moab and coming with Naomi is that you have chosen to turn to me when you could have turned to younger men, whether rich or poor. So Ruth, we can see throughout the story, acts with this incredible loving kindness to Naomi and to Boaz, as it turns out, by returning with her. Right, she chooses to return with her to Bethlehem instead of staying in Moab with her family, thereby ensuring, helping to ensure Naomi's safe return to Bethlehem through the desert. She goes out and gleans in the field for her and brings food back for Naomi. Interestingly enough, if you read the text, there seems to be some implication, and I'll go, talk about this a little bit more, that she's placing herself in danger by doing so because there's the risk of being molested by the male gleaners. And she, then she goes to the threshing floor so that she can make herself available to Boaz as a potential redeemer. In other words, so that she can become Boaz's wife and they can have the security that women need. So every, all the different characters in this book are portrayed as, as exhibiting incredible amounts of chesed. And then Ruth is like extraordinarily, extraordinary levels of Hasid, and she's uplifted in our community as a model convert. Although there's a lot of interesting discussion about whether or not she formally converted or not, there's a presumption from the rabbis that she converted. 
And her loving kindness is an example of complete unconditional loving kindness. She leaves behind everything, seemingly without any regret and without ever looking back. We never hear about her family, her life, or her experience other than as it relates to her role in for the Israelites. So I'm curious, first just by a show of hands or um, if you wanna put it in chat, how many of you have read this story before or even in your reading of it today, kind of read it through that lens? Like, wow, what a beautiful rendition of chesed, of loving kindness. So I'm just looking at the hands, right. Okay, so most hands. Okay, so now I'm gonna blow this up. <laughs> so hold on, uh, hold on to your seats. Cause I was, I had the pleasure of studying this book twice, actually. I studied it last summer for, 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 for one week intensive, but four weeks before that through a feminist uh, immigrant sensitive lens. And then again, I studied it again this semester for a couple of weeks. And we really, we read a lot of very fascinating, interesting, critiques and different ways of understanding this story that um, has completely transformed my capacity to read it as a loving, as an act of loving kindness. So I'm just going to share some of what I've learned with you and then we'll open it up for some discussion. So um, one of the authors that we read, Ruth Honig, asks, what does Ruth, who's an alien, right, provide for the Israelites and her later readers that an Israelite heroine could not have? Why is, it, why is it that there's a refugee, an alien, that is playing this role? And she argues that Ruth gets used for a national agenda that, in fact, she argues the story doesn't support. So according to her, there's a different story that can be read here about foreignness and its contribution to democracy. According to Honig, immigrants are often valued for what they bring to us or are feared for what they will do to us. She suggests that Ruth is supposed to be the model immigrant whose foreignness and whose otherness provides the power and righteousness of Israel. In other words, Israel will be the one that brings forth the messianic era. Um, Atalia Brenner questions whether Ruth, like many foreign workers today, and she's really looking at this through the lens of foreign workers in Israel, but I think we can ask ourselves the same questions about foreign workers in the United States. Um, she questions whether Ruth really had free choice. Was it really a choice to go back or was it a, a have to? Or was it, out of, was it really out of love or was it out of obligation? And she argues that in that famous line, 116 to 17, where she says, um, wherever you go, I will go, my people are your people. She, she talks about the fact that the language used in that is about binding herself to Naomi, that it's actually not out of love, but rather out of a contractual obligation to Naomi. And then going back to Honeg, she argues that Ruth's behavior can be understood in the way that we can often understand immigrants' behaviors, which is that they feel forced. They, it's an example of needing to reassure their hosts and sponsors. So in the, in, if we look more closely at the end of chapter one in, in um, lines 19 to 22, when Naomi returns, you notice that the Bethlehem women and Naomi, none of them recognize or even make mention of Ruth. 
It's all about, oh, Naomi's back. Is that Naomi? Is that really Naomi? And Naomi says, oh, don't call me Naomi. Because God hasn't shown favor to me. I've come back empty handed. Ruth is standing right there. She's come back with her. And the only one who mentions her presence is the narrator. None of the characters seem to even see her. She is completely invisible. And then another question that arose in, our, in, this, in these readings that really stuck out for me was in the section in chapter two, lines eight to nine, where Boaz tells her, go glean in the fields and stay close to my girls, follow them. And then it says, I will tell the men not to molest you. Why does Boaz have to say that? Like, why does, if, if, he's, if, if the men are never gonna molest girls and Boaz doesn't need to say that. And even Naomi and even Ruth acknowledges, oh, you're showing me such grace. Why are, you, why are you protecting me this way? Why are you taking such good care of me, the foreigner? So perhaps she understands that the other girls in the field maybe aren't protected from that molestation. And we know today that immigrant women working in the fields face harassment and rape on a daily basis. So is there any reason to believe it was different in that time? In chapter three, lines one through four, this is when Naomi tells Ruth to go to the, the threshing floor. Now there's an interesting piece in this I'm not gonna go into, but I'm just gonna mention it. If you, if you wanna go back, if you can read Hebrew and you know Hebrew, it's not clear in the text because there's voweling and it's unclear depending on how you vowel it, if Naomi's actually saying, I'm gonna go to the fleshing floor or you, Ruth, go to the threshing floor. And there's a couple lines in there in that dialogue, including with Boaz, where that gets very confused. And it's fascinating to go back and read that if you're interested. I'm not gonna go into any more detail other than to say that, but it's very interesting. But she tells her, go down to the threshing floor. Okay, we know the threshing floor, it's like a, it's a tongue twister for me, is all men. And it's at the time of the festival of gathering and they're out partying and drinking. And she says, go down there and make yourself available. It's kind of like saying to a college girl or college woman, go into a frat party after they've all drunk and they're all drunk and make yourself available to one of the men. It kind of left a really bad taste in my mouth. And, um, and it's, it raises the question of how often refugees and immigrants and women are told to make themselves available to others, namely citizens of their host country. How often does that happen? And the story makes it clear that the way, only way that Ruth is going to be integrated into her host society is through marriage. If you look at the text, there's over and over and over again, Ruth is referred to not as Ruth, but as the Moabite. The Moabite from Moab. <laughs> constantly, her foreignness is constantly, her otherness is constantly put in her face over and over and over again and put in our face as a reader. And then in the final chapter, chapter four, Ruth has a baby, Obed. And instantaneously, immediately, Naomi takes her son, Ruth's son, to be her own. And the women of the community of Bethlehem recognize Obed as um, Naomi's son. And they say, a son is born to Naomi. And Ruth becomes invisible like a handmaid. Her in and it continues, her invisibility continues throughout the end of the story. 
because when the generations are listed that follow, which is not, this, what happens right here is not untypical in the Torah, where women, women's uh, role in birthing sons and children are left out, but over and over again, it's so-and-so begot so-and-so who begot so-and-so, and it's all the men lines listed. And the Ruth and all the women are invisible. And this, I would submit, is a story right out of our headlines today. Refugee children are literally being taken from their parents, and we know that some are being given up to adoption to American families. So I'm just going to ask you for a moment, what happens to your reading of this book when you imagine yourself in Ruth's shoes as an immigrant to another country? Does your perspective on the characters or narrative change? And I'm going to invite you to just, um, if you want to unmute for a moment, just share. And, and I'm going to ask you, before I ask you to unmute, because a couple of people may unmute at time, maybe I'll have you raise hands. But um, I'm also going to just ask you to um, try to keep your sharing within one to two minutes so we can hear from as many people as possible. So if you want to share, go for it. Okay, so I see Paulette. So you have to unmute yourself. Hi, Shabbat Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Uh, Michael, I'm Joni's best friend from high school. Hi. <laughs> I've met you. <laughs> okay. Um, I think we have to be a little careful anthropologically to read this text or in fact most of torah through the lens of what's happening today and our world today so i want to say that i agree with everything you said and i disagree with a lot of what you said and i think there's a lot of truth and i think there's a lot of untruth and it was also a time of slavery by the way and that was sanctioned. There was even a way for people to, to leave slavery and still be committed to the slave owner. And there are so many things from that time that we could bring our own um, lens into. I, I think a more valuable way to read Torah is to read it backwards or, or going forwards and see what we could glean intentional pun from the Torah for today and I, 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 I'm not, I agree with what you said about the immigrant. I don't agree with the part about the children because the way the children were taken had nothing to do with them being taken up lovingly by a, a mother-in-law who adored a baby they're put in cages by ice. I mean, that's, and, and eventually they're adopted because the parents can't find them. That's a completely different story. Uh, I, I, I mean, this child was loved and loved maybe even before he was born because of the sense of, of, uh, of generations that, that, that are, uh, written about in the Torah. So I just want to say, I just, I, my, my, I just think that we need to be a little bit careful overlaying 
our culture onto that time and place. Thank Great. you. Thank you. Um, Ari. I don't see you, but I can try to unmute you. Yes, I'm going to. Okay, did you unmute me? Yeah. I did. <laughs> I was looking for the button. Uh, okay, thank you. I can see you. Yeah. Um, I appreciate the, uh, the critique of the, um, of the dominant narrative, but at the same time, I'm also reading Revolutionary Love, and I think that we have to shift the narrative and take from Ruth uh, things that build, uh, to build on what uh, Paulette said, to build on a better future. And I'm wondering if, if that's what's happening when we look at uh, Chesed or Gmilut Chasadim and we try to build the pieces from this, from the story, Book of Ruth in a way that, that would reshape what's happening. In my breakout group, we had someone in uh, Minnesota. So we talked about that. Mm -hmm. um, that's all. <laughs> Great, thank you. Beautiful, excellent. So yeah, there, this my presentation and discussion is not the only way of understanding the Book of Ruth for sure. I like to um, unpack this story partly because um, it makes me wonder what what happens to converts in our community or or people of um, potentially people of color or immigrants in our community when they read this story. How do they hear this story? In terms of what their role is, and what their welcome, how 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 do they become welcome into the Jewish community, as immigrants, as converts? What type of um, expectations are placed on them? Also, so those are other ways for me to to look at this story. Um, another question that arose for me when I was reading this is. Um, what, as Jews, as Jews who have been um, welcomed or not so welcomed, should we say, into other countries, how have we been forced to abandon our culture and our traditions to be welcomed and assimilated into other communities? So the way that, that Rabbi Lerner talks about it, right, is how have we had to give up the vision of the transformative power of the universe, yud heh vav -he. In what ways have we minimized our um, unrealistic, visionary, um, radical teachings to assimilate into societies, to assimilate into capitalism, to be accepted? How, how, have, how have we, as Jews, done that? And how does this story help us um, ask questions about what we can do as Jews to embrace our otherness, if you will, in a society in which um, the teachings of the possibilities of possibilities, the transformative power that calls to us is so um, dismissed and put down and uh, discarded. So I'm curious if anyone has thoughts about that. Go ahead and uh, unmute yourself if you want. Neil, go ahead. 
Wait, Neil, you're not. Neil, you're not unmuted. Hold on. Neil, you have to unmute yourself, I think. Let me see. There you go. You raised some excellent questions, and what I so appreciate is you're weaving different strands, each and of themselves can go on for a whole seminar, but uh, it's all these things happening simultaneously that makes it a narrative as opposed to just uh, bullet points. Um, it does seem that it's understandable in the early stages of let's say enlightenment where from being in ghettos and having so much uh, constrictions placed that persons from a Maslowian hierarchy of I want to feel safe, I want to have freedom from want, I want to have some degree of uh, personal choice that they would adapt to okay if I don't start stir up any crap and I just take on some kind of professional role where I'm seen as useful but not uh, a threat, my life will be better, my family will be better, I have surplus time to be able to study, and it's understandable why someone would make that adaptation, and I don't fault them for it, but uh, exactly as you're saying, it's compromising that it's a deep structural inequity that gives rise to all the social pathology. The fact that we could have in the Ruth story on one hand, the commandment, you should leave the corners of the fields for the poor, and yet the reality being that the desperate people who are uh, doing this, there would have to be a particular proclamation, don't molest uh, the women, shows the uh, performance contradiction of from what the values are to what the lived reality is and how persons are then forced to adapt to how things are rather than how they yearn for them to be. Right. Uh, again, it, it's, it's an unfinished uh, uh, vision. <laughs> mm -hmm. <clears throat> Thank you, Neil. Beautiful. Beautiful. Thank you. Did you want to jump in? Uh, like if you nobody else in. wants to say something, I will. But I, I would like to add something, if I may. Mm -hmm. As I was listening to you, I was thinking or by the color of the skin uh, that we have in a certain society at a certain time. And there is a, a, a kind of, okay, I have two choices. If I have privilege, do I use my privilege to be compassionate toward those who, um, who are not enjoying this privilege? That's what we see Boaz do. Boaz is using his privilege as a man, as a wealthy man, to be kind to Ruth? Or do I go for the bigger vision, which is a society in which you don't get privilege for the color of your skin, but for the quality of your character, for who you are as a person, regardless of all the born uh, privileges or, or, you know, I was born to Jewish parents, so I'm privileged. I was raised Jewish, so I'm privileged in Jewish spaces. So I think a lot of, uh, a lot of people, uh, myself included, sometimes go for the first option and we choose to use our privilege to be compassionate 
And we sometimes either spiritualize, as in put in some future time, no one will enjoy the privileges that I'm enjoying. And some of us are saying, no, no, I'm not just going to extend the benefits of my privilege to people who are less fortunate. I'm going to work towards a society in which everybody is treated equally, regardless of their immigration status, the color of their skin, the body they were born into, the parents they had. And I think that's the, uh, the, the idea that a convert is born again. So they theoretically are enjoying birth privileges like every Jew. But for us, those who were born and raised as Jews is to extend, to, to really see that, uh, that Jew by choice as a, as a reborn person. Mm. Beautiful, thank you. Um, I, wanna, I wanna say one, one other thing before you jump in and then there'll be more, but um, I wanna go back to this invisibility of Ruth for a moment. Um, because throughout the story, Ruth is really quite invisible, even though she's uplifted and the narrator uplifts her. Um, and to say that, um, I think it's fair to say that often converts and Jews of color feel very invisible in our community. And I think this story is interesting in the sense that it mirrors that modern day experience. Now, I. I actually like to use the Torah to um, look at the history of how our society as Israelites was understood and how we understand it today and to do that interplay between the past and the present. And I understand that there's, you can't fully lay on the modern um, lens on ancient times. And, um, and yet I still enjoy that analysis and discussion and critique because the truth is we don't know what was going on for the women of that time we don't know what ruth would actually be saying if she had a voice in this story there's an interesting um part in the text when naomi tells ruth to go to the threshing floor and in a different um version of the text in hebrew there's this really interesting place right after naomi says that to her where there's these vowels there's this that stand alone, that, that does not happen in the Torah. It's like a guttural sound that, that on its own. And uh, we did this really interesting discussion about that in one of the classes that I was in. And one of the women in the class said, oh, you could imagine that that was Ruth going, mm, what, you want me to go to the threshing floor? Um, and so it's an interesting um, question about what, what is it that we expect of or ask people to become part of our community or to be as Jews as, or to become part of our community as Americans, as immigrants? Where is, um, where is the power to enact our freedom in those inter interactions and engagements when there is in fact a power imbalance and a yearning to be part of and included and accepted? And how do we, um, those of us who come from the positions of greater power in those interactions, acknowledging that we have lesser power in other interactions, but in those interactions when we have greater power, how can we open our hearts and our communities and play a role in transforming those spaces so that in fact, they are, we are operating much more from a place of power with and welcoming inclusion. And how do we see that if we don't read these stories through a critical lens and ask some of these questions. Um, 
So uh, I have to say, Kat, that uh, this is Heidi speaking. Thank you. I, I, I was so troubled by the um, instruction that Naomi gives Ruth to go to the uh, threshing floor and, you know, put yourself at the mercy of the man who's there, who's anonymous in that part. It wasn't even like go to Boaz because we know he's kind or go to this one. It was like, you know, just go. And it seemed to me that that was saying, go sell yourself. We have a word for women like that. Um, because you have, that's the only thing that you have uh, of worth that will ultimately let you rise. So that, that was sticking in my throat. <laughs> and you, when you read, Heidi, you read with so much um, passion and like you're so in the story. And I remember last time, the other two weeks ago, you were like, I had such a hard time reading this part. And I noticed you're jumping again when you were reading that, like you were, you were Ruth in that moment. Oh, I have to read this. <laughs> what? <laughs> Yeah, it's a, it's a, it's a very, I find it to be a very problematic, there's many problematic parts in this text, I find, but that is definitely one that stands out. I also think when Boaz says, don't worry, I'll protect you, you know, I'll tell the men not to molest you, and we can have a debate about what the word molest meant at that time versus today, and it certainly meant annoy. It, it, I think it's fair to say it meant annoy, bother, harass, whether it meant physically assaulting, or molesting is a different question, but it certainly meant I'm protecting you from something that I don't protect the other girls from, and that why would I need to protect you from it if it wasn't something that wasn't feeling good to you? Like he somehow knew that. So yeah, I thank you, Heidi, for that. Uh, Pamela. Hi. You know, one thing that really struck me when you were talking, and it's like, wow, it was like this light bulb went off. The story of Ruth and Naomi, you know, at least the first part. I mean, the later part about the redemption of the land, I think people are less known, but people quote them. You see it on plaques, where you go, I will go. And I am sort of guilty of that too. Oh, it's a, in fact, I said something in the chat. It's a sweet, loving story about devotion of two women. The whole idea of the differential and power dynamics in race just kind of like went right over my head. Naomi and Ruth are not equals. Naomi is the one with the power. Ruth is silenced. And interesting, like I bought that, all that too. I just thought it's a, you know, oh, mutual devotion. And in fact, um, I was married in 1998 to, to, a, uh, to a woman. And I, in, um, in the program, we even, I even had a part where I read, and, and the woman I, I married was a, a woman of color. And the wedding was a Jewish wedding. And um, if we had a child, we were going to bring it up Jewish. And in the program, I said, oh, there are, you know, the, I read that one sentence, as so many people have. It's on plaques. It's on everything. And I said, this is the story of Ruth and Naomi. And it's so much like Jane and Pamela, you know, completely going over my head. Well, like, the differential in power there, it's, you know, because Jane and Pamela are also from different backgrounds, blah, blah, blah. It's like, you know, the, the whole thing that, the difference of power. It's like I almost embarrassed the fact that I had that in my wedding ceremony and, and <laughs> I did. <laughs> this is really an epiphany to me. It's not just like this sweet loving story between two equals. It not at all. Anyway, that's all I have to say. Thank you. Can I, I respond? Um, hold on. I see. Oh, Hang on. Yeah. Thank you, Pamela. Were you complete? I'm sorry. There were 
lots of moving. I'm just saying that quote is used all the time, and it's a, it is a lovely quote, but it, it without that context, it it's not the complete picture. That's all. I just want to say something really uh, short. Hold on one second, Ari. I want to hear from somebody who hasn't spoken yet, and Jennifer wants to jump in, and then I see that Michael does, and then I'll come back to you. Yeah, hi. Uh, really quickly, I'd like to kind of piggyback off of that. Um, I would like to share my own experience, um, regardless of race, for those of us who are, we'll say, at a lower socioeconomic strata, we start out lower. Even today, there is sort of the idea that if you marry up, you can lift yourself up out of those circumstances. And when you get low enough, it transcends race. For sure. That's in our consciousness still today. That's all I had to say. Thank you. Thank you, Jennifer. Michael and then Ari. Michael Gershon, you said you had a comment. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, I, I guess what, what I was going to say was that um, I was thinking about what Pamela said. And, you know, those words were said before they left. Um, Ruth's area. So she, um, at, at that point, she was giving up, you know, herself up to her mother-in-law, to Naomi. And to me that, that there was uh, a, a sense of love and commitment and things that happened later. And when she went into a foreign land and as a foreigner, I don't think that takes away from that statement, uh, Pamela, that you used in your wedding vows that it, you know she was giving you know herself up to um her mother-in-law but um you know her mother-in-law wasn't in power in moab you know it was ruth's ruth's home so for her to do that i i still think has all the love yes all the stuff that happens later i think has to be interpreted in its time and you know now i every time i read it ever since i've ever read it i was always very uncomfortable with it uh, and how it put, uh, it was clearly this, it's a, a story of power and position. Uh, and um, yeah, that's all I want to say. Thank you, Michael. Um, before you jump, go ahead, Ari, and then I'll go after you. Yeah, and I just uh, wanted to, actually, it sort of echoes what Michael said. I wouldn't say that what you see now in the story or what you saw after the way you used that quote in your wedding vows, uh, detracts from the way you understood it in the vows. Whenever we take something from a text and re-intextualize it, it transforms its meaning. This is what we do as humans. We make meaning in many different ways. We have lots of resources. And we, this is what, what, the, what happened to the Star of David. Look at how it cha was changed by the Nazis and then taken back by the Israelis. And then some would argue it's been changed by the recent right-wing positioning of Israel. So again, we make meaning and it's always dynamic. And it's beautiful the way you used it in your wedding. It's different. And don't let now your interpretation of the story do something negative on the vow. I mean, that's all. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. I want to say that there's a whole nother reading of this text that I'll just give you the kind of taste of, which is the whole queer reading of this text that Naomi and Ruth were lovers, that Boaz, um, who's an, who arguably is an older-ish older man in the story, is not married, 
that's weird in that time. And those, so the queer reading questions if he's gay and this was a way for them to create an alternative family where Naomi and Ruth could be together and Boaz didn't have to actually marry someone and they have a child together and make it look legitimate. But in fact, it's a story about uh, queer and gay love. So there's a, there's a, it's a beautiful, there's a beautiful article by someone about this that, um, so there's really, it's, um, it's a fun text for me to dig into and read in all these different ways and to um, raise questions about, there's, I, I, will, I will end, um, if you wanna say something and then I'll end with something that you wanna jump it's in. It's 1214. Okay, I don't, I don't need to say anything. Okay, so um, I, I wanna say like, there's so many ways to read this text and I certainly don't wanna read out of it the chesed, but I also want to question. Um, I also want to question it. And and what is chesed without givura? What is loving kindness without also strength, and being able to hold ourselves in relationship? Um, where might this text be uplifting chesed at the cost of one's uh, well-being and one's own safety and security? Um, and so I, I ask. I, I close in my notes. Um, so why should we even bother to read this book if it has so many problems? And some of us think it does, some of us maybe think it doesn't. Um, and so I have, I have two ways that I understand that. Um, one is to, that we need to read our entire Tanakh because there's always something we can learn from our texts. There's tons of things in our Torah and our Tanakh that we don't like, <laughs> that are deeply problematic and that we challenge and try to re-understand. And there's feminist um, readings and anti-racist readings and transformative readings that offer us a wealth um, of stuff to grapple with as we do and to, to envision a new world and to rewrite, perhaps even to engage in Midrashic storytelling that allows us to rewrite these stories. So, um, and, and I think that this text offers us an opportunity to ask ourselves how how do we treat converts? How do we treat refugees? How do we treat those we see as others? And can we see them? Can we see them rather than make them invisible? And then I also want to acknowledge that there is a tikkun in this, in this story um, because the story tells us that the, that the messianic era is going to arise from Ruth. It does it in a very backhanded way because it mentions all the men, but it's Ruth. It is the immigrant. It is the other from whom the messianic line um, is birthed. And, um, and not only is it Ruth, it's a Moabite. And if you know the history of our relationship with the Moabites, it's, uh, it's problematic to say the least. We have a very negative story and experience of the Moabites. We are told you can never marry a Moabite and all of these really horrible things that we say. And yet, and yet it is the Moabite as we're told over and over again in the story, it's the Moabite, Ruth the Moabite from Moabite, <laughs> um, the Moab from Moabite, or the Moabite from Moab, excuse me, is the one who's going to give birth to the, to the messianic era. And so I like to think of this story as um, telling us that refugees, immigrants, the others, have a depth of resilience and strength that, um, that is so powerful and um, that they 
often treat people with incredible loving kindness. And perhaps for that reason, it is from those, those of us who are deemed others, who are seen as outsiders, who can still engage in the world and with those who do not see us with such loving kindness, that it is from those actions that redemption and liberation of our world will come about. Amen. Beautiful way to end the teaching. Blessed are you, the transformative power who teaches Torah to your people, Israel. Thank you. Beautiful. So now we're going to move to Yitzchok. Page 80. Okay, hold on. But just say that in saying Yitzchok, um, Keep going because I'm going to get it up. Yiskor has traditionally been the place of saying um, something for members of our own family who have died. But we're in the midst of um, a global pandemic in which in the United States, um, according to the latest figures, over 100,000 people have died more than uh, in many of the wars that the United States has been involved in. Um, and globally, it's, um, it's way up there, many, many hundreds of thousands of people dying in a very short period of time. So it's a traumatic time. It's a traumatic time for lots and lots of people. And lots and lots of people who did not die, but nevertheless went through having the, the, um, the COVID-19 and um, uh, suffering a great deal. So, um, uh, so, First, I want to say a prayer of healing just for the, anybody who is sick now who's, or anybody who um, has uh, contracted the disease and not, not died, uh, or other people in your life who may, have, may be facing um, uh, health problems. So, and you can, you can post their names in the chat so we can all look at the chat and see the names and collectively hold all those names in our hearts. And I wanna um, add something that we're also, Heidi posted this and I was thinking the same thing. We're also involved in a period of wanton snuffing out of the lives of people of color. Yes, exactly. And I, I was gonna get to that. Okay. Isn't it? okay. So, Avoteinu Avram Yitzchak V'yakov, the uh, God who is the transformative power of the universe, send healing energy um, to all uh, to all the people that we know who are sick, and let uh, let them uh, have a um, uh, a good uh, first of all competent he healthcare professionals dealing with them, and um, and let let us see a return to health. So um, why don't you? If you would just put in the, the, the chat or anybody who, whom you're praying for. May they have a healing of body and a healing of soul. Now quickly in our time, and let us say for all of them, Amen. 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 And if you want to take a moment, if you haven't looked in the chat, just to read the names in your, to see them in your eyes so that we know that we're all collectively 
holding those who need healing in our collective circle. So for the Yiskor, now we're talking about um, certainly all of the people who have um, who have died in this um, pandemic. We're also taking, um, bringing up, and it's very much in front of our consciousness, all of the victims of racism and sexism in this country and homophobia in this country and anti-Semitism. Uh, just this, in this year, the Jews being killed because they're Jews. And um, so, um, uh, and Islamophobia and um, all the other ways in which um, innocent people just by virtue of their identity are killed here. And then think of that on a global level, how much that has happened um, to um, Muslim communities and Hindu world and uh, to um, many other, and to Jews in Europe and many, many other uh, groups that are um, uh, targeted and um, so we want to be saying this group for all those who have been We've been killed in any of those ways, and most immediately, the um, the tragic death this week of um, in Minneapolis. I'm forgetting his name. George Floyd, and also um, Breonna. Oh, I can't think of her last name. Who was shot dead in her home? Does somebody remember her last name? If you'd be willing to post it so we could say it, I'd appreciate it. I just lost her last name. But the 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 reality of life in. Uh, for my, her, for, her last my, name Taylor too, Breonna Taylor. My Breonna Taylor. Yeah, thank you. The reality of life for minorities in this country. Thank you. Um, is uh, has not um, the the racism that is still so pervasive, and that may uh, may in fact be a rallying, uh, unconscious or conscious rallying, for the most extreme right wing. Um, um, bully that we've ever had as uh, as president, that, but yet people may be some people are responding to him precisely because he is that. So we want to uh, keep that those in mind also as we say the Yisqur prayer. And I'm just going to name one other person that's been named a couple times: Ahmed Aubrey, the man who was shot down for um, running while black. Mm -hmm. Oh. Oh, let me share. I have it ready to share. What? You want me to share this page, right? Yeah. Yep. Um, okay. There we go. Um, so. You want to see my beginning? Yeah. Yeah. Is Ami still here? I don't think so. Okay. Um, but then I can say to everything. To everything. Turn, turn, turn. 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 There is a season to find a time for everything under the sun. A time to be born, a time to die, a time to live, and a time to cry. A time to see and a this is the time we remember those who gave meaning to our lives. This is the time we remember the bonds that tied us to, together, the love that we shared, and the memories that remain with us all. Some people may not be aware that um, 
the Jewish tradition has a say Yiskor four times a year, not just on Rosh and not just on Yom Kippur, but also on the last day of Passover, the last day of uh, um, of Shavuot, and the last day of Sukkot. Um, so um, uh, we say, God, when, when we are, what are we humans that you care for us, the children of human humanity? that you should take account of us. Teach us to number our days so that we can develop a wise heart. A little bit louder. What? A little bit louder. <clears throat> yes. Um, <laughs> when we die, we take nothing with us. Our glory will not descend with us. And those who have known us will also die. Seek to live a life of goodness and kindness to promote the tikkuning of the world, to give away much of what you have earned in order to alleviate the suffering of others, support the movements that seek a world of love and just and kindness and generosity and peace with your time, your energy, your money. Follow the path of righteousness as best you can, as best you can understand it. Be an embodiment of the world you seek to create to the, great to the greatest extent you possibly can. Have compassion for yourself and for all others. The peace that comes to all with death can be lived as an inner peace and wholeness right now. Learn that path now. Live that path now and help others overcome poverty, war, oppression, as you develop your own inner life. This is the path of peace. The eternal can be trusted to redeem the soul of the righteous. No one who trusts in God shall be abandoned. You will live in the light of God forever. So we go now to, um, to Yiskor. Um, and um, to um, um, to the middle of page eighty-one, I read here: Yiskor Elohim nishmat ham ahuvatenu shahachula lamam ana techienas nafshotehem zurot itzrorachayim began Eden tihe nishmatam v'nomar amen. May the souls of our loved ones who have departed to the next world, be in the memory of God. May their spirit be wrapped in a warm embrace of eternal life. May, there, may they be at rest. And let us say, Amen. Amen. So now, just for a minute, if you look in the page 82, um, there's a, a prayer for anybody, any particular person, uh, if, uh, particularly if you're saying it for your mother, your father, um, a child, God forbid, uh, or a life partner, or any other person. You can pick one of these or as many as you can for a minute or two to just, but for anybody who has ever had a loss, and we all have had the loss this week, um, so, um, and we all are knowing the tremendous loss in this, uh, in this country and in the world from this um, uh, pandemic. So allow their memories to come to you um, for just a minute or two, we're going to be silent and just allow the memories of those people to come up to you. 
and I've posted in the chat again the link to our prayer book. So because I can't get the whole thing on the screen, so if you have um, particular one of these that are applicable to you, you can access the prayer book online. You can also get it at baittikun b e y t t i k k u n dot org on the homepage. You'll see baittikun prayer book, and you click there and somewhere else. So then you'll get to the prayer book. Page eighty two. The bottom of page 82, I read this and maybe we can read it together. May those who grieve today, who I grieve today, be bound in the, the bonds, bonds of, of eternal, eternal life. life. To honor their memory, I will take the following actions. And here you fill in something real that you're going to commit to do in honor of one or many of the people who have died, whoever you want. What are you going to do? What, what action are you going to take okay. in their honor? Yeah, to honor their memory. In addition, I will make sure that those in my life who I treasure fully understand how much I care about them, how much joy and pleasure their presence in my life gives to me, and I will take concrete steps to bring more love and joy into my life and into the lives of those who encounter me. Amen. Amen. Turn now to page 84. The God exalted and full of compassion, grant perfect peace in your presence um, among the holy and the pure to the souls of our loved ones who have depart departed from this world. Source of mercy, bring them into your, soul, uh, into your presence. Let their souls be bound up in the bonds of eternity. 
May their memory inspire us to live justly and kindly. May they rest in peace and may they be bound up in the bonds of eternal and let us say Amen. <laughs> Keep sharing that actually. I should be able to do both. Give me one second. Well, it's on page 84. Oh, I got it. Okay. Oh, hold on. Give me one sec. I got it. Which the. Oh, cool. I did it. Okay. Oh, wait. One more second. Share, share computer sound, optimize screen, share, play. Parents are quick to protect. Raid! Just like Raid, Ant, and Roach. Any idea what they're going to do with it? With what? Okay, never mind, it's not working. Okay, so it's on page 84. There's no place in this world where I'll be long when I'm gone. And I won't know the right from the wrong when I'm gone. And you won't find me singing on this song when I'm gone. So I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here. And I won't feel the flowers coming up the time when I'm gone. All the pleasures of life, love will not be mine when I'm gone. My pen won't pour out a lyric line when I'm gone. So I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here. And I won't breathe the brandy air when I'm gone. And I can't even worry about my cares when I'm gone. Won't be asked to do my share when I'm gone. So I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here. And I won't be running from the rain when I'm gone. And I can't even suffer from the pain when I'm gone. There's nothing I can do or I can gain when I'm gone. So I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here. We won't see the golden of the sun when I'm gone. And the evenings and the mornings will be one when I'm gone. Can't be singing louder than the sun when I'm gone. 
so I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here. All my days won't be dances of delight when I'm gone, and the sand will be shifting from my sight when I'm gone. Can't add my name into the fight when I'm gone, so I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here. And I won't be laughing at the lights when I'm gone or crying. And I can't understand how or when or why when I'm gone. Can't live proud enough to die when I'm gone, so I guess I'll have to do it while I'm here. And so we say the uh, Kaddish prayer for all those who we are mourning for and for all, um, all people on, on the planet. You can find that on page 87. Yikadal, yikadash shemei rabah, v'alma divrach yirutei v'yamlich ma'chutei. Okay.
study will be two weeks from today. Um, the parsha is called the Ha'alotcha in the book of uh, um, in the book of Numbers it's called in English or Bamidbar um, in, uh, in Hebrew. And um, if if any of you have not did not receive a um, uh, a message from us, how they how you can sign up is to send us an email. No, uh, actually, I'll send you the link. I'll put the link in the chat also. Okay, terrific. But yeah, most of you probably received uh, received it in email. But if you didn't receive it in email uh, and you want to get on our list for future events, um, then you can go to what Cast Beth put um, up there. So um, I want to um, bless you all for a, um, a beautiful Shabbos, a beautiful last day of Shavuot. Um, and one thing I want to say about Shavuot, the tradition is, is that this is the day of, these are the days of the revelation from Sinai. And it happens every year. So what, another way of thinking of it is to think of it as this is a day when um, the God energy of the universe is closest to us. And the God energy of the universe has a message for us. And it's an individual message for each person. So take a little bit of time today alone maybe outside, maybe inside, wherever, but alone, and allow the, the spiritual energy of the universe to give you its message as to um, uh, a path for you in the future, a, a way of being in the future, or simply whatever it has to communicate to you. Give it, a, give it 15 minutes, give it half an hour, just by yourself, and see what you can receive when you open yourself to the revelation that is closest is like uh, uh, the earth being closest to the to the sun sometimes or closest to the moon uh, this is the moment when we're spiritually closest to the god goddess um the spiritual uh, energy of the universe and what does she he it have to, to communicate to us and what can that mean for you take a little time like that Shabbat Shalom. Good job, Shabbat Shalom. Good job, Shabbat 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 Shalom. Shabbat Shalom. Good job, Shabbat Shalom. Good job, Shabbat 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 Shalom. Shabbat 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 Shalom. Shabbat Shabbat. Shabbat Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat Shalom, Shabbat 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 Great to be with you. Wonderful to be with you. Thank you so much for being Thank with us. Thank you. Feel free to write it so much. Or Michael and all of you. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks everyone.
Thanks, Mike and Kat, Thank you. sending you love. Thank you. Bye bye. I like that. Bye bye. 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 Bye bye.